0: Resistance in existence. Join the resistance. Come on, let's start by total tactics. We'll have a positive, positive and match us. Here's how we practice the lost art of conversation.
1: David Jason. Hey everybody, welcome to Pop Culture Continuum. This is John Elliott. And this is Patrick Riccardi. And this week we're doing
2: Robert Frost vs. Maya Angelou.
1: Yeah, so this is kind of a uh, this is kind of a bullshit one we pulled out of our butts because uh, Pat's going to be out and we have to we're having to do two in a weekend. Um, oh, more than two actually, but two of just our own. So uh, we wanted to try to do something easy, so we picked poetry. Um, so yes, we'll, easy. We'll look for the. Uh, Look for the ratings to slip a lot for this episode, and frankly, uh, we can. I feel like we can do whatever we want now.
2: And uh, we also picked this because my Angelou uh, recently passed away. As did Robert Frost. Well, it was a little more recent for him, since, as his name implies or alleges, he he was in a cyrogenic, whatever that's called, for a number of years, and oh. The the power got accidentally turned off, and he passed away.
1: Cryogenic, yeah. Uh, Yes, he officially died in 1963, but um, but RIP for the power getting turned off last week.
2: I wonder what his real name was, because it's too ironic for it to have been Frost. His real name
1: was Robert Lee Frost. Uh Ah, long live the South. Yeah, I think it must have been a little shame associated with that Lee that made him shorten it um robert frost was american i think most people know that but reading on wikipedia he was his work was initially published in england um so he got he got big in england before america i guess well i don't know how big he was uh but he was published in england first just goes to show you
2: what
1: oh Uh, well you know england's got england's got more refined taste I think, um, which is why, uh, you know, you watch some some Yes Minister on uh, PBS. You're like, this is years ahead of American TV. I've never seen w- an episode of Yes Minister.
2: I haven't either, but I really wish I had a button I could push to make the Benny Hill music start right now.
1: Yeah. Um, and Robert Frost, I think... Everybody, everybody knows Robert Frost. I mean, you got to be a pretty kick-ass poet for everybody to know your name. I I don't know. uh, I don't know. I always have, I've always had difficulty with poetry because it's so abstract and I'm, I'm always reading things far too literally. I Mm -hmm. think, um, so poetry kind of eludes me, although, you know, if it's just about, like, the beautiful language that's that used and stuff, I can totally appreciate that. But, um, but a lot of times I, d- I don't know what they're getting at. And, and in some ways I, I think a lot of people try to use poetry um, just because they don't have necessarily concrete ideas and they're trying to put one over. Well, bad poets, I mean. They're just trying to put one over on people to make themselves sound deep uh, when in fact they don't really have anything uh, to say.
2: Oh, I I see what you're saying, yeah. That's not Robert Frost, though.
1: No, definitely not Robert Frost. I mean, well, we we selected two Robert Frost Frost poems to talk about. Uh, One of them, I think, is is a bit um, head-scratchy, what the fuck. Uh, Yeah, the other is is pretty
2: straightforward, and I I think as far as poems go, I think pretty much the entire world's heard this English-speaking world, the road not taken.
1: Yeah, so... um, do you want to read the road not taken? I guess. I'll read I it to, if you I, want. I, I figure I, we I, should switch I, off.
2: I think I just want to say at this point that th- this episode I am entirely out of my depth.
1: So. Oh, me too. Yeah, and and neither one of us are uh, are readers, so it's probably just going to be like monotone uh, yes. recitation of the. Of the I'll words. I'll
2: read this one. You can read the head scratcher. I'll just I'll just read a uh, like one. What's it called? A paragraph. It's not called a paragraph. Stanza. Is it, a, a, so not, okay, a line in the stanza. I'll just read one, st- the beginning stanza, that's, that's pretty famous. So, two roads,
1: nope. I was going to say, maybe read the first stanza and the last one, because the the last one has the zinger.
2: Okay. Yeah. Two roads diverged in a yellow ro- wood, and sorry I could not travel both, and be one traveler, long I stood, and looked down one as far as I could. To where it bent in the undergrowth.
1: Stanza one. Alright, so then the last one is
2: I shall be telling this with a sigh. Somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I I took the one less travelled by, and that has made all the difference.
1: Yeah, I think that's pretty that's more quoted than anything, the uh the one less traveled. Yeah. Yeah. And that has made all the difference. Um, although, rhyming hence and difference, a little bit of a stretch, Robbie.
2: <laughs> I think you preferred to go, go by Frosty. Who wouldn't? Well, of course that brings up his most famous poem.
1: Uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Correct. And, yeah, this one's very, very, uh, to the point, there's, there's really no obfuscation or any kind of, um, any kind of metaphorness. I mean, the road not taken, I guess, is kind of a metaphor, but but it's so easily understood. Even a dummy like me got it in high school, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I I kind of I picked the Robert Frost poems and this one because it's super famous. And The other one just because I, I took I picked it at random, and we we ended up with really short poems. But I don't know. Well, he. There's no but.
1: Yeah, he was. He was kind of a plain-spoken poet, which, uh, which, in a sense, uh, Maya Angelou is too. Yeah, um, but but there's there in different ways. We'll we'll talk about that later. Um. And, and kind of a just using uh, using simple words and and vernacular, and it was it wasn't he wasn't difficult to comprehend in his word usage. Um, maybe. Sometimes he got a bit met- metaphysical with his meanings. Um, well, a lot of times, I think.
2: No, I don't. I don't remember. I mean, I I took a few poetry classes, but I don't think we did Robert Frost that much. I don't think I realized how much about nature he was. How many? Like, I didn't. Is he is he one that's famous for nature?
1: I don't know. I wish I would have uh, looked looked into him. A but bit anyway, more. He has
2: another poem that's famous called Birches it's a, a pretty long a long poem and that's a lot of environmental stuff in there and it's it's very nice very lovely
1: and it ends with him praising the John Birch Society who wouldn't yeah he's uh it's or, all right i'm going to read from wikipedia that's this is how fucking little about uh, poetry we know um his work frequently employs settings from rural life in new england he lived in new hampshire i believe um in the early 20th century using Using them to examine complex social and philosophical themes. Yeah, there you go.
2: So me not knowing that he often uses nature was pretty ignorant. I apologize.
1: I do not. And shall I read from the telephone and then we can just kind of go over in general? Sure. Uh, Robert Frost. All right. Uh, this is the telephone. And this is basically a conversation. Um, I'll try to break it up between... The the different speakers, rather than try to do a funny voice for one or something, which I think might tend to uh, diminish what he was getting at. um,
2: Yeah, I want to make jokes, but I'm like, no.
1: Yeah. Uh, The telephone. When I was just as far as I could walk from here today, there was an hour all still. When leaning with my head against a flower, I heard you talk. Don't say I didn't, for I heard you say... You spoke from that flower on the window sill. Do you remember what it was you said? First tell me what it was you thought you heard. Having found the flower and driven a bee away, I leaned my head, and holding by the stalk, I listened, and I thought I caught the word. What was it? Did you call me by name, or did you say, Someone said, Come. I heard it as I bowed. I may have thought as much, but not aloud. Well, so I came. And I, I had to look this one up online for, like, uh, interpretations, uh-huh. and nobody knows, really. I mean, I've heard some people saying it's uh, him talking to God, some people saying it's him talking to a woman, but, uh, I mean, it's kind of a weird poem, and weird in that it's called The Telephone, and the dude's obviously using a flower uh, to act as a telephone. Yeah. So it could technically be about uh, psychosis. As well, but
2: I, I would guess not. Probably
1: not. Um, but what did you get out of it? I mean, I like it. I'm just uh, a little yeah. bit like.
2: Uh, yeah, okay. I don't. I I just thought it was fanciful. I I didn't. I didn't even think of god. I thought it was. I I thought it was a woman. I don't know why. It Just oh, heteronormative.
1: Yeah, that's that's what it is. Um, which it, which is probably safe to assume from the uh, time he was writing. Uh, I mean, I would think that that's the way a lot of people took it i did I certainly thought a person not anything supernatural
2: and i I wonder what Meyer our reaction would have would be to this poem if we didn't know the title
1: right I would have thought it weird him the whole flower thing um one of I mean it barely made sense to me even with the yeah with the title um, but Yeah, it's, I mean, the use of language is, it's really austere and, you know, minimalist, which I appreciate. He gets a lot, uh, he gets a lot across in very few words. Yes. See, we're already running into why this was a bad idea for a podcast episode, because we are so out of our element, we don't even know what to say about it.
2: And the amount of research uh, we did equals from 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, yeah, and, your, your time. And I,
2: and I have to admit that most of my research was was taken up reading. Um, One of poets. Maya Angelou's poets.
1: Oh. <laughs> you were trying to figure out a poet to compare Maya Angelou to. Yes, yeah,
2: so I was reading uh, Walt Whitman and mostly Walt Whitman, so. And I, I thought that wouldn't work because his stuff was too long, and then and then I got the Robert Frost. So, yeah, I apologize I, for nothing. Uh, oh, I'm not apologizing anymore. I'm just talking about, it. and I think it's unfortunate we couldn't do Walt well Whitman because I didn't get a chance to say "Leaves of Grass, Leaves of Grass, my ass."
1: Well, speaking of "Leaves of Grass, my ass," this uh, this poet could also be considered humorous, I guess. I mean. You can picture somebody talking into a flower on, like, say, Laugh In or something when they're super high and, and, uh, ringing laughs out of that.
2: Yeah, but it, he wrote it in 1920, so I don't think he was going for Laugh In.
1: Maybe he was really ahead of his time. Maybe he was going for, uh, Abbott and Costello.
2: And yeah, he was, he was trying to get a job in Hollywood. They were like, pass.
1: Throw some mummies in there. We're in. Yeah, um, I don't know i i appreciate in a way the like i said that that uh he's very well well that poem's not necessarily easy to understand but i appreciate the language he uses um which is not pretentious at all right yeah um so it's it's definitely a way into poetry for people who might think they hate poetry um
2: and the sound of it is if you don't know english i'm not even talking about interpretation but just how it sounds coming out of someone's mouth is good
1: Yes. Yeah, well, he obviously took a lot of care with uh, with language.
2: Yeah, each word, each sound, the rhythm.
1: Which is why he won the... Uh, he, well, he won four Pulitzer Prizes for poetry. Um, which is pretty fucking impressive. Um, I think. the Does the, the Pulitzer come with, like, a supermodel in a house? I kind
2: of no, think it does. It, oh, maybe it does. But so, I know that the little... The little coin they give you is made of chocolate.
1: Oh, even better, to my ears. But that—I mean—four supermodels—that's—that's that's a lot to contend with.
2: Well, you have to remember, you also have four houses, so you can you kind of hop around.
1: I wonder if they make the houses like right next to each other, though, or if they're if they're like spread out across the country.
2: That's a good question. And are there male supermodels?
1: I—I yeah, I think. I think it's left open. I mean, I think it's just like the the luck of the draw. Whatever you get, there are male oh, supermodels. Okay. So. I didn't know
2: there was a male supermodels, so that works out for everyone.
1: Yeah. You can yeah, that's true. I mean if you got a male supermodel and a woman supermodel, uh, right there you, you pair those two off and, and that's uh, a load off.
2: Well what happens if a male supermodel and a female supermodel get married and have babies? What do they create? An Uber model? I don't think so. I think when when beautiful people uh, have children, the, the children are ugly.
1: They turn out looking like tomatoes and stuff.
2: Yeah, they take all like all the they 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 could possibly be beautiful, but they often take all the bad portions of one parent and all the bad portions of the other parent and create a, a tomato child,
1: a monster. They get all the recessive genes and and uh, bum everybody out. Mhm. That's. I mean, that that could be true. I.
2: But they're I mean, usually pretty smart and fun at parties, so it all
1: evens out. It all balances, yeah. Yeah, people are like, hey, can I pick you up for a minute? There's a, a bad vaudeville comedian on the stage I want to throw you. So they are po- they are popular. You don't think Uber models, huh? I was thinking, you know, much like the DeLorean, the Uber model of cars, uh, was, was birthed th- uh, through the efforts of, Henry Ford and Maurice Chevalier who, um, designed the Yugo.
2: Speaking of Maurice Chevalier, speaking of him, uh, a million ways to die in the West did not get good reviews.
1: No, that's really not surprising to me. I mean, I was a little surprised when you said the trailer made you laugh, but I mean, I guess that's what trailers for comedies are supposed to do. They, but maybe they, it sounds like they probably put all the best parts in the
2: trailer. That's pretty much what the reviews I read said. And, uh, these were reviews from people who said that they loved Ted.
1: Oh wow, so that's really
2: yeah, so it's got really stink. <laughs> I, I don't know how it could be that bad and as, as somebody said his review of it was, it was it was like Seth MacFarlane wanted to make a movie that would that got mainstream appeal didn't gross people out and, and he was really trying and this is what happens when he tries
1: This is what happens when he tries to use wit instead of shit jokes?
2: Yeah. Which is too bad. I I don't dislike him as much as I probably should because I don't really like family guy that much because I feel like he could be funny but he usually just seems too full of himself.
1: Yeah, and he I mean I just feel like his humor is so easy. Yeah.
2: He goes often for the is. easy laugh a lot. Um But so, he seems like a nice guy sometimes.
1: Probably. Yeah, who I mean, who cares? I wasn't going to see it anyway, but
2: Yeah, I was thinking about it but now there's no way.
1: Well, maybe if they do a biopic of Robert Frost, um, it might be interesting. Although, probably not. How do you do a biopic of somebody who just sits at a desk and writes most of
2: the time? Well, it sounds like he lived kind of a dramatic life, so he could do all that. He had a, His dad died when he was 12. His mom died when he was 15 or 20 or something. So he had to work through that. So he could just have a lot of crying.
1: Yeah, that's true. Crying and then writing, that that does sound like a hit movie.
2: I think Robin Williams is actually attached.
1: Does uh, has there ever been a good biopic? I was I was thinking about that the other day, uh, specifically in reference to uh, like music Raging biopics. Ball. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I was thinking music because you know, um, you know, Borat was going to star as Freddie Mercury, and they pulled the plug on that. I'm not quite sure why.
2: Yeah, I remember the. Oh, you know the the story I had read at the time was that he wanted to have a, have everything in the movie and the a more the, warts
1: and all portrait.
2: And the producers behind it, which include members of Queen, maybe, yeah, said no that they wanted they didn't want it to be like that. They, so they left.
1: wanted basically a deification picture.
2: I think so, and, and it's a shame because most of the world, when they heard that news, were very excited to 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 think about him being in the, in that movie.
1: Yeah, I thought it could have really worked. Um, Raging Bull is a good pull, though, because I didn't think of that. And actually, Goodfellas, too. I guess you if can, Scorsese does a biopic, it's it it can work, but...
2: Uh, I don't think... I mean, I guess it is, but Goodfellas doesn't feel like a biopic as much as... as well, I guess it is. You're right.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not a biopic of anybody famous, but... But like I, saw... I, just, I guess
2: I say that because it feels like more of an ensemble. But it's the the I forget the character's name, but Ray Liotta's character is is centerpiece throughout the movie, so it, it works.
1: Yeah, I saw whatever the Johnny Cash biopic was. I, that might have been the last one I saw, um, and it that was got
2: good reviews. Go ahead,
1: sorry. It was just super bland. You know, it was the same thing where it's like, let's not. They, they talk about how, like, they're delving into the dark sides of his life, but, like, it's, like, for 30 seconds, you know, and then it's it's on to what a great dude he was, basically. And it's a very whitewashed portrait, I felt. And I feel like I've I felt that way about other biopics.
2: How did you like the Ray Charles one? I kept, didn't, see, I didn't it. see No, okay. I you find mean,
1: Jamie Foxx almost intolerably obnoxious.
2: Although, but that's just at a dinner party? In movies, you, you like him? In movies, I'm in love with him.
1: I also didn't see Ali.
2: That was good. I liked that movie. I thought Will Smith was, was really good in the role. a surprising choice that turned out to work pretty well.
1: Yeah, it sounds bad on paper, for sure.
2: Malcolm X was pretty good, too.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, Spike Lee always, you know... If he wasn't so annoying, I think... Uh, I think I might even enjoy him more. But he's he's got such a habit of putting his foot in his mouth... It, oh,
2: in in real life.
1: Yeah, in real life, yeah. that it kind of taints his stuff for me, and also, um, he's not he's not subtle in any way in his filmmaking. I didn't see Malcolm X, um, but did you see the uh, the Katrina documentary he did? No. Oh yeah, I, I haven't either. Viv watched it, um, and I, I'd like to because I I heard that was really good. I mean, it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to miss with something that dramatic in real life you know especially when you're just letting the cameras roll and letting people talk and whatever um, and you're not really getting too much of a chance to insert yourself into it
2: yeah but you can though so it's it's nice that he didn't
1: yeah yeah from from what i hear he didn't
2: his son of sam movie was pretty amazing i, I liked that i a lot. didn't see that
1: actually i did want to see that
2: that was like a, a love letter to martin scorsese i thought of it as a love letter to martin scorsese
1: yeah and it seemed like a real departure for him too, uh mm-hmm. thematically yeah.
2: It's interesting that he doesn't do that many movies now. I don't, I don't even know. He did that. There Wasn't there any, have a series with little girls? Like, I don't even remember what that was. I didn't see it. A series with little girls? Yeah, it wasn't like a documentary. Oh, I don't even know. I had to look it up. But it, I'm just surprised he doesn't do more movies. The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants? Oh, that was him too?
1: I think so. I'm That's not what sure. I was thinking
2: of, but. Uh, Anyway I'm just I'm just a little surprised he doesn't he doesn't he's not out there more I, I don't know if he he doesn't have the pull that he used to have or if he just doesn't want to do it he's just busy doing others doing, living his life
1: yeah, sitting at Nick's games
2: <laughs> yelling at the coach. Well yes, he has a movie coming out this year called "The Sweet Blood of Jesus."
1: Wow that sounds sacrilegious.
2: wow it's a romantic horror comedy directed by Spike Lee. Funded through Kickstarter.
1: That's like four things together that I that don't sound that appealing to me.
2: Human beings who are addicted to blood. Funny, sexy, and bloody. A new kind of love story. And not a remake of Blackula.
1: See, he has to throw that in. Not a remake of Blackula. It's, it's why you annoy people, Spike. Um, oh, man. Oh, we're we're gonna do a break before we go on to Maya Angelou, right?
2: Of course, and we should do a break before we insulted Spike Lee before we go to Maya Angelou.
1: Wait, are you saying we should do a break right now? No. Oh, okay. Uh, that sentence was so convoluted I couldn't figure it out. Well, all right, let's uh let's talk a bit about about poetry in general. Um, now, aside from "There Once Was a Man from Nantucket." limerick a form of poetry and some of Shakespeare's sonnets and maybe some like T.S. Eliot and E.E. E. Cummings. I think E.E. E. Cummings I really liked uh, as a as a teenager, but I I take it he's not actually highly regarded as a poet. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I don't know. You know, by by the intelligentsia, I guess. Um,
2: why not? I mean, I guess he kind of had he kind of had a that his is all all no capitalization thing, so it's kind of a, a I don't know pretentious, but I don't know. I I we always studied him, so I just figured he was he was well respected. Was it like he was respected at the time, but it hasn't aged well? Final,
1: uh, uh, finally, possibly. Um, I'm reading Wikipedia, and final years came up under him. I'm I'm trying to look. Um, yeah, because he was kind of avant garde, so I think or seen as avant-garde um i think that you know it was it was like the shock of the new but then maybe they didn't think that the uh that the substance was there possibly but i know he you know he did a lot of like uh, controversial themes and stuff i remember the the one i can't even remember the the name of that title but the, it had the line i will not kiss your fucking flag and and uh so, but, yeah, who know, maybe he is well-respected. I liked him. I should go revisit him and make up my own mind about it as an adult. But was, were there any poets that you liked or that made any impression on you?
2: Uh, I, I hate to admit this, but I did like Sylvia Plath. I oh, like, wait.
1: Why do you hate to admit that?
2: I don't know. It just seems so teenagery. I liked Emily Dickinson a lot.
1: Another one, like Robert Frost very simple language
2: yeah but and also and, into nature yeah very beautiful um this is the two i remember liking a lot back when i read poetry a lot in high school and college and i was thinking the other day i really should do it more now because it takes it you when you read poetry it's a lot different than reading literature because you have to be more thoughtful and you have to think about each word yeah you, you have can't to definitely, race ahead yeah, you have to pay attention, and you can't skim poetry. Yeah, you can't skim. Well, and if you skim it, doesn't make any sense. What What's the point? And yeah, so it's 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 less. It's it's calming in a way, and for good stuff.
1: It is, and even if you even if it's um, like too convoluted or complex for you to really get that, the nice thing about poetry is that you can impose your own meaning on it. I mean, there is no narrative, and and right,
2: uh, yeah. You know, there's a lot of people who just who feel that way about everything that the author's intent is meaningless. It's whatever you decide to put on it.
1: Right. Deconstructionist thought. And and I mean, I I kind of agree with that. I mean, once once you're once you've purchased a work or whatever um, and and you've lived with it in whatever manner, I think. It belongs to you. Your version of it is is as uh, valid as anybody else's, including the creator. I agree. Yeah. Although I mean, I could see, I could see if you know somebody's taken somebody's work to be like anti-Semitic or something, and they're and they're obviously not that at all. I, I can see taking issue with that.
2: Um. But on yeah, the other... but it's still it doesn't matter. Once you put it out there, it's it's the interpretation of whoever reads it or listens to it or whatever whatever way the artworks being being taken in.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree, which is why I mean it's always I always like reading like authors intents or songwriters, you know, what what this is really about and stuff, but mm-hmm. it doesn't change what it means to me.
2: Right, right. And I I think sometimes there is interpretations that are more valid than other interpretations for the world at large, but Well, yeah, I, I
1: mean some people are not that bright and they're going to their interpretation is going to be going to reflect that um right yeah but but yeah no i agree i agree with that um we're all relativists here i guess all right uh should we take a break now sure okay uh we'll take a break and we'll come back and feebly try to discuss the work of maya angelou uh be right back
0: We had a comrade, a brave comrade He could talk for whole days But then he tried to be a hero Tried talking about Shanmiro To computers wearing earphones oh. He almost died from conversation Hallucinations, good vibrations Van Dyke parks, a racing Steeple chasing
1: We're back and uh, And, and we're, we're drowning. We help we help us please. We do feel like we're drowning. This was a uh, this is probably not the greatest idea for a podcast. And uh, <laughs> two
2: idiots to discuss poetry. But well, I I I am having Fun and it's interesting so i guess that's the important thing that i am having a good time who cares about the anonymous listener out there
1: yeah precisely and uh we uh yeah i i mean i think it doesn't help that uh it's we're recording this like after a day of work and it's it's late uh, especially for you and and we're tired but let's not make excuses we, we're just uh we're not, we're the, this is the subject we are the least qualified to talk about of, of any episode we've done so far.
2: And I think of, of, uh, hopefully she's not listening, but my friend Jennifer, who sometimes listens to the podcast when it's a topic she knows about. And since she's, she got an MFA in poetry, so she's just shaking her head and thinking what idiots we are. So Jennifer, hopefully you've turned off by now.
1: Well, that was awesome of you to invite her on then, Pat. Jesus, we could have, we could have had a pro on here
2: that's true we could just sat back and let her talk the whole time
1: damn well i i guess you know what that means we're gonna have to do another poetry episode (sighs) starring jennifer you're welcome come on well we'll just have to wait for another poet to die i guess um very rare most of them get frozen maya angelou i think everybody knows and uh well you know what let's talk about Maya Angelou and her life and stuff after we do the poet, the poems. Um, okay. So we picked two poems. Uh, Caged bird is the first one. And I, this is how fucking stupid I am. Um, I thought it was called, I know why the cage bird sings, but it's actually a uh, cage
2: bird. But it's, it, I mean, you're not stupid. Cause I, not, I did think the same thing, but so does most of the Internet.
1: It's it, true. Most of the Internet does. But I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings was a uh, was a book title she had for an a autobiography. First,
2: yeah, and it, it's, I added it to my queue for the library to, to check it out because it sounds amazing.
1: Yeah, I would like I would definitely like to read it, and, and I'm very interested in her life. But let's get to that after the poetry. So um, I'll read... K- All right, Cage Bird is not super long. I'll, I'll read the whole thing. The other one's much longer, um, so I assume we'll do snippets of that, right? Sounds good. All right, uh, Cage Bird by Maya Angelou. Um, a free bird leaps on the back of the wind and floats downstream till the current ends and dips his wing in the orange sun rays and dares to claim the sky. But a bird that stalks down his narrow cage can seldom see through his bars of rage. His wings are clipped and his feet are tied, so he opens his throat to sing. The caged bird sings with a fearful trill of things unknown, but longed for still, and his tune is heard on the distant hill. For the caged bird sings of freedom. Uh, actually, we'll end it there because it's it's more of the same, and it repeats that stanza at the end. Um, but I, I, so I get the I get the sentiment, and I appreciate it. It's not the best written poetry. I hate to say that because I like Maya Angelou, but uh. But just in a in a literary sense, I, it seems kind of amateurish to me. What's your, do you have any feelings?
2: I I I wonder what the context of the poem is because I think it is from that autobiography. So I'm just wondering where it comes in, that she she wrote this. Like, what is the, where is it, where does it come from?
1: Well, it says all right down at the bottom of the page that I'm reading it on. Um, it says Maya Angelou, "Caged Bird" from *Shaker*. Why don't you sing? Copy. Oh, so she wrote that later. Yeah. Oh, okay.
2: I thought it was from the actual autobiography, but you, so she wrote that later and just titled it. Let Let me read a little bit from the 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 poem that she got the title of this poem from. Yeah. Just Just it's it's an interesting poem. I'll just read the last line. It's uh, called "Sympathy" by Paul Lawrence Dunbar. I know why the Cage bird sings. Ah, me when his wing is bruised and his bosom sore, when he beats his bars and he would be free. It is not a carol of joy or glee, but a prayer that he sends from his heart's deep core, but a plea that upward to heaven he flings. I know why the cage bird sings. And I think I I hear what you're saying about her poem, especially compared to that one, that it's really super simple. I don't know about amateurs though. I, did i say
1: amateurish I, I don't well it's not super literary um, but in a different way than Robert frost where i whereas I think he he worked on his um, to be very concise and some of the imagery here seems kind of mundane and sloppy like he can seldom see through his bars of rage bars of rage is just just sounds like bad poetry to me okay it seems it sounds very high schoolish to me mm-hmm um and and i think it's an important an important topic and and it sheds a light on something that uh that needs to have a light shed on it but i, I just feel like the imagery even just the idea of a a free bird um seems seems kind of high schoolish to me
2: i guess i i didn't i didn't see that but i guess uh yeah i don't i don't agree Okay, you don't agree. Well, I mean,
1: that's that's how art I thought goes. it was a
2: very simple, a very simple illusion: the the cage bird and the free bird. With you know, but I didn't, you know, uh, the free bird being a, a non non black people basically, and cage bird being black people just in in a racist society. The free bird. Could, I thought it was a very simple illusion, but I thought that made it more powerful. So I did. I didn't think of it as amateurish or teenagery, but Okay, I I can't can't convince you. <laughs> you
1: no, you can't. Um, yeah, I uh, I mean, and I'm that, that's just my opinion. Hmm. It's Something not. I'm not. That. And and I do admire Maya Angelou. I want to say that again. Uh, but that poem did not does not work for me. Um, I I think it's just too simplistic. I guess. mm Hmm but you want to go on to a brave and startling truth,
2: which I, I, I would say that a brave and startling truth is an amazing poem. Much better I for sure. It's I, yeah. I, I, I guess I'll read part of it. It's really, it's pretty long and it has a lot of repetition to it. So it's, it stinks. I'm only going to read part of it, but I don't want to read this whole thing. And I don't think anyone listening wants to hear me read the whole thing. So I'll just, is there anything that you want to hear from it that I, do you want me to pick or do you want me to just pick for, for, at random?
1: Um, at random, um, but I, I like the the last couple stanzas. Yeah, that's
2: what I'm gonna, I'm gonna the one I'm going to... I'm going to pick the third from the last. I, I do like how she has that... Okay, I'll, I'll do this one. We... No, no, no. I'll do the one before. When we come to it, we, this people on this minuscule and kithless globe, who reach daily for the bomb, the blade, and the dagger, yet who petition in the dark for tokens of peace, we, this people on this mode of matter... And whose mouths oblige cankerous words, whose challenge our very existent existence. Yet out of those same mouths come songs of such exquisite sweetness that the heart falters in its labor, and the body is quieted into all. Yes, I, the, the whole end of this is amazing. I'm, I, I guess she did this as a speech for the fiftieth anniversary of the UN, and it's it's so uh, violent and just begging, begging for peace. It's, it's, it's really neat.
1: Yeah, it is. There's a lot of, a lot of violent imagery of, um, people
2: dying. Oh, I don't even mean of the imagery. I mean, just the, the way it's written, the forcefulness of it. Yeah. The, just when you, when I'm just reading, I'm just hearing her just punch, punch the words out. Right. And I think,
1: all right, there's one, one tiny problem I have with it. Um, let me read a little bit of the, the part I think is a little problematic. Um, when we come to it, then we will confess that not the pyramids with their stones set in mysterious perfection, nor the gardens of Bav- Babylon hanging as eternal beauty in our collective memory, not the Grand Canyon kindled into delicious color by western sunsets, nor the Danube flowing its blue soul into Europe, nor the sacred peak of Mount Fuji. It goes on like that. That's the kind of thing that um, it's, it's okay but I feel like it's meant to be heard rather than read. I think, like, if you heard it spoken, it would carry a lot more force. Well, that,
2: I feel that way about pretty
1: much all poetry. That kind of repetition. I I, I think there's some poetry that uh, maybe you're right, um, maybe read by a good person. But, like, that ki- that stanza or the stanza and a half I just read, I feel like I can picture Martin Luther King saying it with his inflections um, mm-hmm. and, and it just, like, blowing the roof off the place. But reading it on the page... Uh, it just sounds like beating an idea to death. You know I what see. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But no, I do, I do far appreciate this one more. That was the worst constructed sentence uh, anybody's ever said, especially... I thought it was a poem. In I thought, relation I thought, to poetry, I, yeah. I
2: it was some kind of ambic p- pentameter and you're... I was, I was blown away for a second until you, you, you showed, gave, showed uh, me that the emperor has no clothes. As yeah. usual. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I think... Uh, uh, I forgot what I was even saying. Now at this point,
2: that you like this poem a lot more than the other poem. Yes, I think I'd, so. I, I I guess I see, but the the entire poem has this awesome repetition to it, and there's different phrases that she comes back to, and the one when we come to it is all the way through it, and then they kind of she has that we this people, and it kind of calls back to America with the we the people, but in a global way, and it, I I like it a lot.
1: No, me too, and and the when we come to it, I think is great at. At the beginning of each stanza, the the things that I was reading, it was like, you know, the pyramids, the gardens of Babylon, the mm. Grand Canyon. Um, it's it's too much of one thing. I gotcha. Uh, in a row, I guess. But but as as I said, uh, spoken, I'm sure it's uh, it has a lot more force, and it has force anyway. Just reading it. Um,
2: and of course, it was it was written to be spoken so there's that too i mean right no exactly it's it's, not as a speech but as a whatever that was for the for the opening of that or the the anniversary
1: it's it's important to to put that in context yeah um so i'm i'm nitpicking on a literary just just on a strictly literary level um something that it's like reading the lyrics to a song um they they don't really come alive unless you hear the song being right. played. Um, yeah. But I do really like you know she's she's putting across this whole litany of horrors. Um, but you know the, the line that you read yet out of these same mouths come songs of such exquisite sweetness um, that the heart falters in its labor and the body is quieted into awe. That's that's a sentiment I think uh, people need to constantly remind themselves of.
2: The the yeah that the. the... There's two sides.
1: There are, and and no matter how how much the world's going to shit, you've always got to look for the other stuff, because it's, it's always there to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really super easy to concentrate on the shit. And, uh, and you, for some reason, have to remind yourself more to, to concentrate on the beauty.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. And that's... It came out. That.
1: It did. It, I mean, it makes you it makes you feel it. So I would say success for this poem. Um, and it,
2: it, actually, this the, this poem reminds me of a link, well, an accidental link between Frost and Maya Angelou. That uh, she was the the first poet to give an address at the inauguration since Robert Frost. Oh, really? Yeah, when she spoke at Clinton's first inauguration. The last was Robert Frost at Kennedy's inauguration.
1: I, well okay. I mean, I, I, I guess they didn't count Luther Campbell from Two Live Crew at uh, George Bush the First's inauguration as a poet, but that's just racism in action.
2: And and uh, sexism, men's rights, men's rights always.
1: Yeah, like,
2: Mike, he's joking. No,
1: we're yeah. Jesus Christ, I would hate a first time listener to hear that. Uh, we're very
2: liberal. We don't believe in men's rights. I don't know why it didn't bother me that I said it, but when you said always, it's, just, I just I felt like I was in a meeting. So. You fell into the John trap. I did. Of <laughs> having to over-explain
1: your true stance. This is why we uh, could never take over for Stephen Colbert. I mean, it's one of about a thousand reasons. But Maya Angelou, um, yeah, I, I, I think her poetry is... All right. Here's here's what I like about it. that poem. I think is is really good. Um, but the cage bird um, and and some of her other stuff that I've read, I feel like it's very for the people, which is good uh, in the same way Robert Frost is. It's uh it's easy to it's easy to understand and to get into. Um, I think a lot of times though it comes across as as well. There's a reason that Oprah loved her so much. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, a very Oprah Winfrey version of poetry, some of it, and and that's I feel bad. She just recently died. I feel bad saying this stuff um, because I I do like some of her stuff, but then then others are seem a little bit too uh, self helpy. Maybe is is the tone I get from a lot of them. Okay. And now what
2: what I. Uh... Not really anything to do with that, but what I did like about uh, – I liked a lot about The uh, Brave and Startling Truth is that she does use simple language, but she also uses complex, interesting words that, that sound really good and work in the poem. So it's not all simple language.
1: No, definitely, but it's, it's simple enough that you – that anybody can get the point she's making.
2: Oh, yeah. But yeah, I, yeah. Like, I mean minuscule – not that that's a, a $10 word, but it's, a, it's an interesting word.
1: Oh yeah, don't get me wrong. She she can write, and she can write um, good poetry, and she can write mediocre poetry. Um, but I mean, that's that's true of a lot of us. And I I think maybe it seems to me that that maybe her fame, as happens with a lot of people, maybe she just kind of lost track of of who she was and believed the hype maybe a little too much, and and uh, was trying. To be inspirational, which doesn't always work.
2: I see. Yeah, I hear what you're saying.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and because I don't mean to sound like I'm badmouthing her, because she had a really interesting life.
2: Oh yeah, um, all over the place.
1: Yeah, she she um, started in like what in like musical theater and stuff. Like, like she was a dancer. She was um, she had uh, a child like right after she graduated high school. Um, she worked in the sex industry. She was a nightclub dancer. Um, she was
2: a prostitute
1: yeah yeah sex worker
2: sorry but she was she was never what's awesome about her she was never ashamed of that she never tried to hide it
1: nope it no that i totally admire her for that i mean at a time when when that was something everybody would be ashamed of
2: but i mean what's awesome about that is she's she's out you know she's super famous and she's not trying to hide that so people who are in the same situation she was in can see that and can say you know I don't have to have shame,
1: right? No, exactly. No, I, I. think it's. It was super brave. Um, and as I was saying, especially at the time, like, mm-hmm. um, it, it's not like she ever hit it. So no, th- that's really cool. She um, a cast member of the opera Porgy and Beth. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and a journalist, and she went to uh Egypt and Ghana. Um, she,
2: she worked with Martin Luther King.
1: Worked with Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. Um, who she met in Ghana, I believe. Um, oh, it was
2: after he left Nation of Islam that she worked with him?
1: I Shoot, I don't know. Sorry. Um, I think,
2: I, I mean, I think um, I might have it wrong. I, I thought that's when when he was in Africa, that was after he had left the organization. But I might have that wrong.
1: Yeah, she was uh, a professor, obviously a writer, um, and, and she did a lot of uh, plays and stuff, too. The... The one and and had a tumultuous childhood. I don't know how far you delved into all that. Yeah,
2: it's um, not good.
1: No, it's it. It was not good. Uh, and she did you see the uh her first album, Miss Calypso, from nineteen fifty seven? No, I had oh, no you idea. Check it out because it's a fucking awesome uh, album cover, and I, I want to run out and buy it. But uh, yeah, just I mean uh, I a massively inspirational life. Anything I'm saying negative about her is totally overshadowed by her greatness. Yeah. I mean, I, I basically am having to look for things negative to say, which is, is not fair. Um, but, but, you know, you try to, you don't want to, you don't want to put somebody up on, on too high a pedestal, I guess. hmm But she was a great person. There's no doubt about it. Um, and, and, I don't know. but she's a better person than I'll ever be, and
2: well, well, both of us combined.
1: Yeah, yeah. they we're we're not bad mouthing my Angelou, is what I or I'm not, um, is what oh, I'm to say. Me neither. Yeah, well, nobody thought you were. I, I guess I don't know why I said we.
2: Uh, the Purple Onion is a is a club in San Francisco. She danced at. Does that still exist?
1: Yep. Oh, it might have closed just a couple of years ago, but uh, but yeah, I did see. Um, I actually think I saw Mark Marin there um really yeah i'm looking it up right now
2: yeah i, I, I shouldn't have asked because it says right here the original location closed its doors but it's reopened as the purple onion at kells at 530 jackson street so yeah it doesn't exist anymore
1: yeah um but but yeah maya angelou uh i don't i don't know who in public life to compare her to i mean especially i don't think,
2: I think she's There's no one you can compare her to, is there?
1: She's pretty unique, especially um, being known so much as a poet. um, There's there's no one even close.
2: Oh, a famous poet from nowadays? Yeah. He's famous for a while. He seemed to be as famous as her, but I don't know. Who's that? Robert Pinsky.
1: Oh, yeah, right. Uh, I don't think he... Loomed anywhere near as large in the public consciousness, but I no. mean, she okay. had she had all the other stuff going on too.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, no, I, I, the just her entire life is just so filled with awesomeness. But I, I guess you're right that she because was I didn't I didn't realize that she was like Oprah was a fan of hers.
1: Yeah, I think they were good buddies. Which you know, okay, as we said before, Oprah's done a lot of good, um, and she's also done some bad. Um, but uh, I, you know, whatever. It's she's not, she's not for me or you necessarily. I think. Um,
2: and then the sorry to interrupt, but just thinking about Maya Angelou's fame, there's also the whole Bill Clinton stuff. How you know he, he invited her to speak at the inauguration. That that got her into the public eye in another way.
1: In a bigger way, yeah. Although I mean, as far back as I can remember, I, I, and you know, I I was a big. Well, I still am a big bookstore geek, and and even as a kid, I would always go to bookstores, and and uh, I know where the cage bird sings. I remember seeing, like, from as a child, always right. being prominently displayed. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, she she was amazing. What what she was able to achieve, and uh, and I don't. I feel bad now about saying, oh, well, who cares? No, I, I just don't like some of her poetry yeah. so much.
2: Just because she's awesome doesn't mean everything she did was awesome. Right, right. Everything she wrote was awesome. Um, everything she did probably was awesome.
1: Oh Well, I I mean, and I'm going to guess especially the Miss Calypso album.
2: Yeah, I, I've seen the cover now. And I see what you're talking about.
1: It's pretty great. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, who knows? But, you know, you just have to also think like, like you said clinton brought her maybe into even more of public consciousness and then and then oprah uh too and just how much if she if she gets any kids um especially like young african-american kids into literature and poetry which i'm sure she got tons of them into you know Mm -hmm. that's that's enough of a of a legacy but she's she's done so much more than that so um Although I don't think she won four Pulitzers, so mm. so she's a little short on the supermodel front.
2: I wonder if she won any. Well, you know what? She's friends with. Uh, she was nominated for one, but she never won. And uh, she was friends with Oprah, and Oprah can get lots of um, uh, supermodels for people.
1: That's true. She is known as a procurer.
2: Although I think they took a, a bunch of her supermodels away for unleashing dr phil and dr oz onto the world
1: yeah you you get demoted quite a bit well not demoted but uh your your supermodel supply uh is is withheld a bit
2: yeah it's a shame but you gotta do what you gotta do and oprah didn't do the right thing
1: and oh let's not forget uh the secret so yeah, Oprah. Oprah definitely got into some serious woo
2: shit. I don't know how he decided to criticize Oprah on this episode. I'm really feeling bad. Let's say something nice about somebody.
1: Um, Orange is the New Black new season starting. That's supposed to be good. Yeah. I haven't seen. I haven't seen it yet. So. Uh... That's as much positivity as I can give. Well, I, us talking shit about Oprah is not. We're we're being pretty mild.
2: Yeah, compared to everyone else talking shit about Oprah. Yeah. And uh, she she was pretty good for television. Oprah? I think so.
1: Maybe, but now, yeah, I don't know. I think I
2: eventually. Mean... I think in the beginning she was just kind of like everyone else, but eventually I think she. Brought the tone of daytime television up, and after she left, I think it went back down.
1: I was going to say it. It doesn't seem so necessarily high today.
2: Um, you look at the the history of that that time, that that uh, time on television in the in the seventies or sixties. It was all soap operas, all crappy soap operas, not even interestingly written. Well, not that they are, but just crap. And then Phil Donahue came, and he kind of filled a void with intellectual. As intellectual as you can get, but really intellectual stuff during daytime, daytime TV. daytime TV,
1: it was – yeah, it was it –
2: was okay. It was much different, much different, and he was huge for a long time. And then he got people going in and chipped away at his ratings, and they were doing crap. And that kind of took over for a while, and Oprah kind of came in and was doing the same crap. But after a while, she stopped doing that, and she, had, she brought the tone up. And I don't know, when she left, Ellen does – good stuff, but it's just more like Tonight Show. It's more like being a Tonight Show during the day. But you have stuff like Maury, and you know, there's a lot of crap there that is filling in the void that would be, I think it would, it stinks that Oprah left and no one replaced her who was doing more intellectual stuff. No, I... I mean, it's easy to criticize like we did about stuff like The Secret and Dr. Oz, and I don't know if she ever had Jenny McCarthy, but she did have some anti-vax people. But she also had... Sadmani, my Angelou, who book, her book of the month club, club or whatever—I don't even know—it was Oprah's book club. Had good literature on it, so it it was had good really good stuff. stuff yeah. No, so I mean, I know it was uh, easy to make fun of, but the books were good.
1: No, that's what I'm saying. I think I think Oprah a net win, despite her uh, some of her more questionable choices. Um, but I
2: do think it's a sorry to interrupt again, but I do think it's a shame that there hasn't been. I mean, I think Ellen's awesome, and I'm glad her show is really popular. But I wish there was. And she does. She has authors on, I'm sure. But I just, I, I think Oprah having gone, I, I wish there was someone else that went in there and did a show that was more like her at her peak. But it's hard to do that because when she was at her peak, she had all the power in the world, so she could do whatever show she wanted to do. But if someone goes in fresh, they can't do that. They have to do whatever the producers say. And if they say you need to do a, a bad diet episodes every day this week they have to do a bad diet episodes every this week so i don't know like rachel ray probably doesn't have the, p- the power to swing a book club
1: no exactly well and and that's what i'm saying like props to oprah for uh for using her position to to elevate the tone yeah um but uh but i mean because you know they they probably were like when she was like you know what i want to Let's change the way we're doing things here. Try to make it more positive, and and I'm sure the suits were were like, no, let's not uh, mess with the winning formula, you know. But exactly. By that point, she was like, well, uh, fuck you, motherfucker. Uh, I I'll own take it. this. Yep, I'll take this to another network, and uh, and they had no no saying it. Uh, yeah, I don't know anybody who's got that kind of power today. Um, and from what I, uh, God, I just feel like I'm just talking shit about people today um but i've heard intimations let's say that uh ellen is maybe not the nicest person to work for really from a few from a few different sources but they won't come out and say it they they just kind of hint at it that's bullshit then i don't
2: believe it and then they won't say more um and i think what ellen does like oprah oh she does the oprah thing where she gives stuff to the people in her audience but she also gives a lot of stuff to schools and stuff and i guess that gets ratings but it's also pretty neat
1: no, it it is definitely
2: cool. I mean, I mean, that's I I, I think I don't believe it because of, that 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 she's not good to work for. Because if if she wasn't good to work for, people would talk about it when they they left, and they would say they would do more than intimate it. They would actually say it. So I don't know.
1: Yeah. Well. Well, the people I've heard did work for her, but they're still in the entertainment industry, in oh, some and so they they think that and they, she has enough.
2: Swing I, that she can't say. Maybe can't who say knows?
1: It. It's it's unsubstantiated rumors, um, which are my favorite kind. Like, yeah, there, exactly is there any I other kind? Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess once it's a, it's a substantiated rumor, it's basically just a fact. It's on Wikipedia. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, um, I, who the fuck are we? Like, that's that's exactly it. What no matter what we say, um, it it doesn't matter nobody should get pissed at us for saying any of this stuff because in the scheme of things we're just two dudes talking trying to be interesting when we know nothing about poetry
2: you have anything interesting going on
1: uh, no dude I don't know I can't think
2: I, just, I mean do you have any plans to do anything interesting in the, in the next few weeks or days or I guess this this will be I don't even want to guess at the number we're not gonna we're gonna push this one behind the this one's going to come after the,
1: the Jessica. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So this is going to be in a couple of weeks, but you know, anything you're planning on doing soon?
1: No, I got nothing, man.
2: Um, I'm going to see Doug Benson, uh, do a movie interruption of revenge of the nerds with booger.
1: Oh yeah. You mentioned that on the last one. Um, so you oh, got, I did, I thought I did. just emailed that to you.
2: Oh, never mind. Sorry people. You got your, but tickets. I got the ticket. I got the ticket and I know where the, the place is. So I'm pretty excited. It's yeah, always good also, to know where the venue is. Yeah, I have, It's a venue I've never been to, so I. I. They always have movies during the week, and I think about going, but it's kind of a hall. But now that I work downtown, it, it, it wouldn't be that bad to go to the movies there. They have like, you. It costs five or costs three dollars to get in, and three dollars gets you free beer. So the mo- movies basically free, but they they'll show eighties movies and just just fun stuff that people enjoy just going to to yell at. So it's neat that they do that, but this is specifically for like a MS three TK thing where they make fun of the movie as it plays. So it's pretty exciting.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Uh, and I don't think he usually announces who the guests are beforehand. So you probably don't know who else will be there.
2: Oh, okay. So they did just announce that one, but not the rest, I guess.
1: Yeah. Probably to get, to get interest. Um, but yeah, he usually has like three or four comedians there with him doing it. So that's cool. Yeah. it's a fun time. He's doing a, We've seen him do two Twilight movies. I don't know that I could sit through another, uh, even with the comedians. But he's, he is doing another Twilight movie in August or something here.
2: It's funny that they're doing Revenge of the Nerds because it's such... I mean, it's a comedy, so it's hard to make fun of a comedy, I imagine, but they'll find a way.
1: A pretty, yeah, no, it'll be funny. And, I mean, a, a pretty well-regarded comedy, too. It's not like it's a huge piece of shit. Except for the one scene. The rape scene, yeah. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: but, you know, that was the 80s.
2: Yeah, that's back when they didn't have rape.
1: No, it. I think it was called on the on the books. Um, uh, unrequited loving.
2: Slide back and enjoy it. As I mentioned, might have mentioned in the last episode. They're also playing, or not playing, but Broad City is going to be at the same venue. So I'm thinking about going to see them in November. I, st- I still haven't seen the show. I watched. I haven't either. But I've watched the YouTube, their original show that got. Uh, noticed and put on to comedy. I mean, got them noticed enough to have a show on comedy central. And it's, it's funny.
1: I did finally see, uh, well, while I was on vacation, uh, cause we had cable there in the hotel. Uh, I saw key and peel, which was actually pretty funny. Have you seen it?
2: No, I haven't watched that yet. I was thinking about watching that cause it's all on demand. Like the entire run of the show.
1: Yeah, I would recommend it.
2: Have you watched the, the, now I can't remember playing house.
1: No, I haven't seen it yet. Um, for some reason, I don't think it was on uh, Hulu, so I might have to go to like the USA site or something and try to watch it.
2: Yeah, it's it's worth it. I reminded of that because Key or Peel is on, is on it as a regular character.
1: They're also on uh, both of them on Fargo. The
2: yes, couple episodes. Yes. Oh, okay. I haven't I haven't seen the most recent episode, but I saw them. They, you know, people were complaining about they uh, took me out of the scene, but I thought they were perfect.
1: Oh yeah, no, I did too. They took them out just because they were such known personalities.
2: That they're no, not not just that, but the fact that they're they're known personalities to be comedian and didn't fit. But I thought it fit perfectly for that role of being kind of kind of dumbasses.
1: Yeah, no, I thought they were great. Yeah, I I guess if you if you have a problem with um with that kind of thing, but I don't. Did you ever see the uh, the informant?
2: The informant. Uh, Steven
1: Soderbergh with uh, Matt Damon. I think oh yeah! Called oh informant. yeah! That's
2: a that's that's a fantastic movie. Yeah,
1: and he's got a ton of uh, comedians in in cameo roles in that, playing like straight people, like Paul F. Tompkins and uh, Joel McHale's in it, a, a bunch of people. I I always enjoy that.
2: Yeah, the, the comedians can be great actors. Just look at uh, Robin Williams.
1: <laughs> exactly the per- first person I was gonna. Th- gonna mention and uh and of course his protege Polly shore uh should we just go to recommendations sure man i feel uh i this this episode made me sweaty in a way i haven't been since the early episodes and it probably came across to the listener um,
2: I, th- I think so <laughs> we didn't even try to be funny no, so. we. Uh, I mean, not that we ever do. Um, well, that's true. But I, I think I was so nervous about not knowing what I was talking about. I didn't want to make jokes about things I didn't know what I was talking about. So, was, I think that came across. When, sorry, you're bored.
1: Yeah. Well, with our luck, uh, every iTunes rating we get will be based, based off this show, this episode. Um, but you know, what? we're gonna put it up anyway.
2: Yeah. I, I think it, it has, it has its, had its moments. Yeah,
1: they can't all rise to our usual level of uh, mediocrity. Perfection. Oh, wow. yes. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, let me think of a recommendation, and you can go.
2: I have an odd recommendation, and I don't know why I thought of it, but it's a series of books from the 1920s, or I think they went from the 20s till the 70s, maybe. Anyway, a long time, called Archie and Mehetable. and it was a newspaper column by Don Marquis. Oh, it was The Mice? The cockroach and the mouse? Cockroach and the mouse. Yeah, yeah. And the cockroach is writing free verse poetry on a typewriter, so he can't make capital letters. I guess I thought of it because of E. Cummings. So it's all lowercase. Is there a a mouse, too? I think it's a cat. It's a cockroach and a cat. Yeah, I'm all fucked up. Anyway, the cockroach is writing the free verse poetry and his cat... I forget what the cat friend has to do with things. But anyway... It's kind of fun, and the art is done by George Harriman, who was the creator and writer of Crazy Cat, which is one of my favorite comic strips of all time. Oh, yeah. So, check out Archie and Mehitable. George, um,
1: George Harriman, also uh, the guitar player for the Beatles.
2: You know, he, he might be a uh, immortal to have lived that long.
1: He might have been. Yeah, Crazy Cat is, is pretty fun, too. Yeah. Um, pretty amazing how they can like crazy cat when i've i picked up a couple crazy cat books after reading about him um and it's really surreal number one uh but also it's insane how much humor he can wring from like a concept of uh uh Cat and mouse trying to fuck with each other. I mean, it <laughs> makes Tom and Jerry look uh, moronic, which it, it is, admittedly, but even more so.
2: But it's this—it's—it's it's also this weird uh, romantic triangle where Crazy Cat is obsessed. I can't remember everybody's names, but he's Crazy Cat is obsessed with the mouse, and the mouse always wants to throw bricks at Crazy Cat, and the dog is in love with Crazy Cat and it's just, and it's it's not clear whether crazy cat is male or female. <laughs> it's just
1: it's weird. No, it's all it's insanity. But yeah. It's okay. Archie and Mehitable, I haven't I have not even thought about that since I was a kid. Um, so I'll maybe I'll try to revisit that.
2: And uh, it's, it's it's something you it's I'm always someone who's pushing ebooks cuz I like reading stuff on my Kindle but Archie I can't imagine that's as fun on an ebook as it no. is on paper. I, that's something I should start looking for in uh, used bookstores because that would be a, a fun pickup.
1: Yeah, that's where I that's where I got Crazy Cat. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, those collections are actually pretty expensive new, um, but yeah, you can find them used uh, for pretty cheap.
2: the 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 new collection they have that new collection or new maybe the last ten years that put out by that what's it? infographic. Yeah, or? yeah,
1: the, and those are the ones I got used.
2: Okay, that's that's a nice collection. They do such good work. I have the first, like two or three years of peanuts. Oh and it's yeah, yeah. So neat. And I, I stopped getting it. I was getting it once a year, and I stopped getting it. When we went back to pick it up again, they're out of print, so I can't get them anymore. I was I was disappointed, but it it's, they do such good work. I've gone to their website and gone through all the crap they have available. So much awesome stuff they have. They put together Popeye, the early Popeyes and, and neat, neat printing of that. So that's a great company.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, everybody uh, everybody, go check out their website.
2: And then check out my wish list and get me some of that stuff and send it to me.
1: Oh, yeah, i, I got to update my wish list. Um, I'm going to... Fuck. I guess I am going to recommend... Um, have you seen Playtime? Have I recommended that one before?
2: I don't think so. You you recommend you want to do an episode with that?
1: Yeah, I do want to do an ex- episode with it. So you know what? Maybe I won't recommend it because we'll do an episode. Um, but uh, all right then. I'm now I'm just like thinking of my Criterion collection stuff. Um, uh, uh, let's go with uh, Bicycle Thieves. Have I done that one before? I don't think so. All right, and that's.
2: Uh, I am surprised you haven't done that one because it is amazing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I could. It's. You can't really say you have a favorite movie, but i if I said that was my favorite movie, I wouldn't be ashamed. Um, just one of the greats of all time, and uh, it would sound super boring if you were to describe it to anybody, so I won't. But uh, but Criterion released it um, on DVD. They haven't done a Blu-ray yet, but it's a really good transfer, just like everything they've done.
2: It's Italian, right?
1: Italian, yeah. Italian neorealism. Have you seen it? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: It's heart-wrenching.
1: Yep. One of the... One of the... One of the all-time greats. You'll cry. Um, And I'll I'll also recommend another Criterion release from the same director, and it's pretty much the same movie uh, in a lot of ways, but still really good. Uh, Umberto D.
2: Huh. Never seen that one.
1: Yeah. It's about an old man um, living on... In some fleabag place on his pension with his dog, Flyke. Uh... And, uh, and it's not it's not super happy, but it, it is very good. So, there you go. Like us on Facebook? Write no, us. wait. Uh, yeah, is that right? Yeah, like us
2: yeah, on Facebook. Yeah, like us on Facebook. Write us, rate us highly on iTunes. Write to us at popculturecontinuum at gmail.com. Tell us never to do a poetry episode again, or tell us to do plenty of poetry episodes again. Offer to be a guest on the show. Offer ideas on what we should do on the show. And most of all, tell your friends to listen in.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm almost surprised I didn't develop a stutter from this episode. I was so It's so uh, wrenching to me to have done this. But this is this is how we grow as people. And I thought it was milk. HGB. Uh, HG. Fuck. Human growth hormone. HGH. Well, that was a great uh, mangling of a punchline. Uh, I guess that's about par for this episode. So uh, before we get any worse, let's just say goodbye, everybody.
2: Goodbye.